0: Uh, Boots! Hello, welcome to Utabia, Stephen Chicken here and David Hartrick down the line. We've had a couple of weeks off, but we're back again now. How are you doing, Dave? Uh,
1: I'm good. I'm good. We had a couple of weeks off because there there was no news, really, was there?
0: No, that's right. I think we were. It was the worst kept secret secret in football that Danny Ward was going to sign, and I think we were we were waiting for that deal to go through so that we could talk about it because we didn't want to record uh, a podcast and then have it be. Out of date really quickly if we recorded it before he signed and then he signed that evening, obviously the fixture list came out on Friday, so we wanted to we thought well by the time we signed Danny Ward on the Monday, we might as well wait until we've had the the fixtures out and of course we spoke to Carlos Corbrand for the first time on Friday as well so we've actually uh we've we've had an eventful week, probably start with with Danny Ward. He signed, uh, re signed, we should say, for the club on Monday evening. As I say, it was the worst kept secret. I think everyone knew that that he was on his way. We believe that Town held off interest from a couple of other Championship clubs to to get Danny Ward's signature. He he obviously wanted to come back closer to West Yorkshire. Town needed a centre forward. Uh, who was a little bit more well rounded than than Steve Mounier and Fraser Campbell because I think we saw last season that having two such chalk and cheese strikers sort of caused issues when you had to sub one for the other. What do you make of the signing overall, Dave?
1: I I think it's a very good signing. I think it's I, I understand the the section of fans that aren't overly excited about that. I get that. Um mm-hmm. it's not one that's gonna make you feel fizzy when you sign a ex player who's sort of left after a a very sort of up-and-down, inconsistent spell of form. But the first thing is, as I think most people should be aware by now, is obviously he's not a winger anymore. Um, So he's, he's being signed as a striker and he will play as a striker. And the second thing is, he's a really good, sort of solid performer in all areas, whereas Fraser Campbell is brilliant at the pressing and the closing down and the harrying defenders. But, I mean... I can't really say it any other way than say he's not very good at the scoring goals. No, <laughs> three St- goals last season. Yeah, and Steve Mounier is brilliant at sort of try- putting his weight around, and his goals per minutes on the pitch uh, stats are fantastic, but he can't do the harrying and the pressing and the, the, the pushing defenders back, etc. His link-up
0: play leaves a lot to be desired as yeah. well. Uh, you know with that that I know it was an extreme example, but that one against Wednesday that we talked about at the time, mm. uh, I think sort of sums up Steve Mounier as a as a link-up player. He he slows down the play too much, I think.
1: Yeah. So Danny Ward is is obviously going to give you the 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 best of both worlds or the worst of both worlds to use a comedy reference <laughs> um, there. And I think he's he's a better player than a lot of people realise. He wasn't really utilised um, properly by Cardiff like last season. But if town fans want a uh, sort of a contrasting opinion, go and have a look at some of the Cardiff fans who are genuinely really disappointed to see him go. Um, which I was quite surprised about, really. I didn't realise he was as popular as he was for a player who sort of did most of his work off the bench there
0: um I I think he's probably I think probably being on the bench is part of why he's so popular because my my colleague at Cardiff um Glenn Williams who I spoke to you know prior to to Danny Ward signing and we we did a a a brief little interview uh with Glenn and and that's on the site if you want to look for the expert view from the Cardiff end on Danny Ward and he sort of echoed what I think a lot of the fans were saying which was he he was often on the bench as you say was often used as the plan b and he felt and I know a lot of fans felt that he should have been plan A in a lot of those games. And they used to, you know, if the game was going against Cardiff and they needed a goal, apparently their fans would would start singing his name and, you know, try to get him on. Um and yeah, his his goals you mentioned minutes per goal. There's only one player in the championship last season who had a better minutes per goal ratio than than Danny Ward and that was that was Naki Wells, oddly enough. Mm-hmm. Um you know, his shot conversion rate is, is up there amongst, with the best in the division. Um, his shot accuracy is up there with the best in the division. And I, I went back and sort of watched, because I saw Danny Ward play, obviously, during his first spell, but I wasn't watching town week in, week out back then. And I, I was trying to sort of get a grip on how different, you know, is this a different player? Mm. And it's not really. He's still actually doing the same things. Obviously, he's playing at centre forward rather than than on the wing now. But he's he's doing the same things, but he's doing them more cleverly and doing them better. So he's picking his moments for, you know, when am I going to take a shot from, from the edge of the box? Um, you know, when am I going to try and fizz one across across the box into the far corner? He's still doing those things that Town fans will remember, but he's much more selective about when he do, does what. The other thing when you look at the stats is that he's, he's as you mentioned, quite well-rounded. Um, he's obviously left-footed, and, and nearly all of his goals that he scored for Town on his previous spell were on his left foot. He actually had more Shots and more goals on his right foot last season than he did on his left, and he got a couple of headers as well. So, on paper, and again, I know that a lot of people, and again, I, I would agree with you, Dave. I can see why people are a bit uh underwhelmed by the signing, particularly those who sort of remember him as that sort of younger, sort of slightly impetuous and wasteful winger. I can understand why you'd be a bit like. Ugh really Danny Ward but the underlying stats are are excellent but the only thing I would sort of hazard there is that obviously at Cardiff he was you know Cardiff are a good team they've been uh, in the playoffs again this season and in his first season there they obviously went up uh, in the automatic promotion they've obviously got good service for him and that is an area where Town have really struggled over the last few years.
1: It is, it is. But Danny Ward is a striker who makes things happen himself more than Mounier and uh, Campbell do as well. You know, he, he's he's a bit of a sort of take the game by the scruff of an ex-striker. So I, I think there is an aspect of that that will have been extremely appealing to Town. But, I mean, look, they've got a 28-year-old striker who um, knows the club Desperately wants to be in the area, which is important. They've signed him for free. He's got over 300 games behind him. Um, I think 50-odd goals total behind him. It's a good signing. But, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, there there are still pieces of the puzzle there that you sort of look at and you think, well, they don't really fit. But Danny Ward as your starting striker, to me anyway, in the very sort of in the most basic of terms that's an upgrade on what town have got in the first team so you, good signing
0: yeah exactly and, and you know if he can continue and it is a, a massive if but if he can continue the scoring rate that he's had at cardiff during his two seasons at the cha- in the championship there cuz obviously he had a year in the premier league as well if he can continue scoring at that rate and he's a regular starter then on paper he's a 20 goal a year striker i don't think he will get to 20 goals no uh, personally but that, what, that's obviously go on
1: what he will do and <laughs> Again, I'm not saying this to be cruel, but what he will do is he will get more goals than he gets yellow cards, which is yeah. the big issue with Town's starting striker last season. So and if, mm. if he doesn't get more than Fraser Campbell next year, then the whole season's been a complete disaster. You know, he I, I'm I'm positive he feels like a double figure striker to me, um yeah. which is yeah, what Town didn't have last season. So
0: I mean Mounier and Campbell got Eleven goals between them. Yeah. I, and I would I would back Danny Ward to, to get more than that. That's if just, that's star
1: exactly star. what I was about to say. I yeah. I think he'll probably finish in the sort of he he'll, he'll be somewhere around 15, 15. goals won't he, yeah. I thought and that will be a successful season that will be yeah. absolutely fine so but yeah, i I, mean, I get if the, you look
0: at i mean if you look at the top scorers from last season you know carl grant was was what was he fourth top scorer or something like that with yeah. 19 so 12 to 15 goals is uh, is is pretty good in the championship these days
1: it is it is and i think the other thing is i think he he we've talked about him being a bit more rounded but he doesn't he, he scores all types of goals so he doesn't rely on one form of service so you're not looking at a Mounier where he needs to be fed in the box either in the air or that ball pulled square across the box and he's not a campbell who really wants to feed on scraps you know he he wants to sort of charge the ball down and and see if he can get it get that little tap in he he's I mean he's he scores from outside the box, like you say, scored a couple of headers. He's good on set pieces for somebody who's not six mm. foot. I think he's very—he's a good sort of bustling, annoyed the hell out of your central defender striker. So, yeah, I—I yeah, I think it's a good signing. It's again, you know, not to repeat ourselves. I do get why there was the 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 slight underwhelmment, but at the same time, this is the market Towner in, and they've got a player from the very top end of that market. I'd suggest. So you can't really ask for more than that at the moment from this club?
0: Not in terms of the, the quality of that sign-in. Yeah. Um, but I can understand why people are starting to get a bit anxious about the the fact that he is the only signing. yeah. Um, and a week is a long time in football. And I wrote a piece, or at least wrote on Twitter, um, about a week ago, sort of defending the club against that a bit and just pointing out, look, there's lots of clubs that haven't made signings yet. Most clubs have either made no signings or one signing. Um, I think things have moved. I think it's still sort of just about the majority of Iran non-or-one. But things have moved on a little bit since then. And the, the sort of the worry is that yeah, most you know, the market is quite stagnant. Everyone's sort of playing chicken in the transfer market at the moment because no one wants to bid fifteen million pounds, say. Let's say Carlin let's take Carlin Grant as an example. If he was worth fifteen million pounds in January, no no one in the Premier League wants to bid fifteen million for him because the, the market is so slow that it suggests he might be worth less. But if someone were to bid 8 million for him, Town would turn it down because they think he's worth 15. And there's that massive impasse. And that is happening with, you know, not just 15 million pound players, but 3 million pound players, yeah. you know. Um, and that's happening up and down the country. And I think everyone's sort of waiting for a bit of that money from the Champions League clubs to sort of trickle down. So they'll you know, Liverpool will buy someone from, you know, I don't know, Leicester, just to well, not Leicester. Uh, Brighton. Yeah, we'll let's, buy someone let's from, give them a mention. <laughs> we'll we'll buy someone from Brighton, Brighton will then buy someone from Huddersfield, Huddersfield will then buy someone from, you know, who knows where. Uh, and that isn't happening yet, um, so it's all very slow. The other thing that's holding it up is the market. The transfer window is open till October, yeah. which I actually think is is quite unhelpful. Actually, I think it's it's meant to be there to help the clubs that they've kept it open into the start of the season. But I actually think it's it's actually going to have the opposite effect.
1: But, yeah, go on. I I think like I understand getting frustrated with the with. The, With the current town position, but I think that context is key, Steve. I think it's still low 30s in the total amount of transfers made in the Championship. Um, I think Norwich, Stoke and Coventry are uh, responsible for uh, well over half of them. I think nearly 20 transfers between them. And Norwich's strategy weirdly seems to have been to write off a whole Premier League season Mm. to get to the point where they can create a better squad to bounce um, commentary have had a four month head start on everyone and Stokes owner is a billionaire who have I would suggest looking at their si- signings decided by hook or by crook they want to go up this season because mm. they're, they're signing older Players, established players, but with very, very little resale value, just to do a job right now. Town can't shop in any of those three markets. They didn't have the head start. They haven't got a billionaire owner, um, and they haven't, you know, planned for a bounce. So they're in in the 21 other clubs and it, it's difficult market it's as you said people are holding fire nobody really wants to wants to move too quickly but I think one of the major things is when you look through a lot of the transfers that have been done like Danny Ward all you've really had are, are very very low value transfer fees and yeah. frees so far in terms of the normal transfers and that's because nobody knows what anybody is worth right now I think this is a big thing it, it's it's not even your Carlin grants for fifteen million quid. It's it is a player who was I don't know three million quid, still worth three million quid. You mm. know it's it's a it's the whole market is still trying to shift itself to a true position, and I I think me and you are both of the opinion that there's a lot of clubs in this league, particularly when I look at I don't know people who haven't really made major moves yet like. A Bournemouth or a Watford or a Forest, uh, who I know have signed a couple, but not really gone big, or even Birmingham. I know Birmingham's owners have promised to invest, etc. Um nobody's really really gone big yet because everybody's just playing this waiting game that we think is possibly how do your first three games go yeah. if you If you win all three, you sit there and you go, Well, do you know what we're all right we'll We'll continue on till January, but if you lose all three, there is going to be a clutch in them clubs that are going to go crazy over the last week of the window and suddenly sign about six players. So it's when the market actually starts to move. We we believe town have targets. You know we're not upsetting oh, yeah, anybody definitely. by saying that they have targets. They potentially even have one or two lined up. But it's a domino effect. People have to move, and the outs are far more important than the ins at the moment for Huddersfield Town. And it, it's it, the the context is just set against them. So it's difficult. It's difficult, but. A week is a long time in football and one move could suddenly change everything. And that move may not necessarily be somebody at Huddersfield Town, but there will be a move somewhere that sort of resets the market slightly yeah. and gets gets teams focused. But the other context of this, Steve, is that you've got, you've got teams like, we've got this clutch of teams like Sheffield Wednesday and Derby um, who are starting with points deductions potentially, um, or actually in Wednesday's case and again it's difficult where do they set their expectations they're getting they've been punished for financial irregularities they can't just go and splash a load of cash it's a it's a really mm. there's so many different things going on in the championship this season and this summer that it's just almost impossible to put your pin in exactly where everybody should be and town unfortunately are one of the clutch of clubs that is a has to sort of sit behind the fence and look over and wait until it sorts itself out a little bit before they go right this is where we are let's crack on you know yeah totally
0: i mean i'm just looking at sort of the 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 ins and outs on transfer marked at the moment and obviously there's some undisclosed fees but the two biggest uh, transfer fees i can see spent by any championship club uh, are 2.7 million and 2 million (laughs) Yeah. Um. Ne- as you say, nearly all of them are free transfers uh, or loans. And and remember, you know, this is a division where you know Bournemouth have made sixty million pounds worth of transfers already in selling, um, you know, Aki and um, and Ramsdale mm. to the Premier League, and you know Birmingham have made twenty five, you know, whatever it is million on on Jude Be- Bellingham as well. So, the, the, as you say, the problem is, is that I think a lot of clubs are sort of being a bit coy on on how. Uh, heavy the 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 and how serious the financial situation is, and it's all to do with wage bills, really. Yeah, um, because it's it's your recurring costs that are going to screw you. Because if you get you know if you get and as you say if you get a few players off the wage bill, and I'm not talking just here about town, I'm talking about clubs in the Championship League One, League Two. They'll every club will be desperate to to get certain people mm-hmm. off the wage bill if they possibly can, and and that is. As you say, that's that makes the outs as important as the ends. As that pertains to Huddersfield Town, you know, this is a hunch. This isn't based on anything that that the club have said to me at all. But you know, Ramadan Sobhi, if they can sell him to a club in Egypt or you know elsewhere or, or to a club in Europe for the four to five million, you know, four million pounds to five million pounds plus that that Mark Devlin has has openly talked about, that is potentially massive for them. Um, because I, I can't imagine his wages are particularly low. I don't imagine he's the highest earner at the club by, by any means, but he won't be. you No, know, but on he academy. was
1: he was signed from a, a then Premier yeah. League club, wasn't he? And when he, Town
0: were a Premier League club themselves, and
1: he's a you know he was classed as a very good up and coming talent. I yeah. mean, I I think he still is. That's the problem. I think he's yeah, still yeah. a really good player, but he just clearly doesn't want to be in England. Yeah. Um, I don't. I think it should be stressed with Sobti that I don't think it's a Huddersfield Town problem. I think no. it's an England. Problem. I think he just doesn't want to be in the country, um, and it feels like one of those transfers that almost as soon as it was done, everybody in the room on both sides went, "Oh, what have we done?" <laughs> it was <laughs> like, it was like a sort of sense of immediate regret. So, yeah. but I think you're right. You know, one i think the way town are setting their budgets now you know you shift one and that means you can potentially bring two in or one and a half in you know but i think the other side of it is it's it's worth saying is the loan market hasn't really got going yet um the the sort of you usually get quite an early rush of premier league loans um young players coming down but I think you you've got to understand that all of that football went away for a long time um, because of the virus. They weren't playing reserve fixtures or youth team games, so it was only first team football. And I think a that clouds that sort of late season scouting that clubs are doing, trying to find those players who are ready to potentially go to championship clubs. But secondly, also you know those players they've not played football for a long time. They they need to get fitter. They need to get some matches in their legs as well so i sort of understand that and i think i i i suspect that the loan market is one town will look to work quite well again um but i just again just a hunch but i i my gut feeling is they might move a bit later in the window um Mm. for a few loan players as i think a, a few clubs will we'll see yeah
0: and and those those loans could be as you say really important for them there's, there's been a little bit of a, a misinterpretation of, of what the club's policy is on loans this summer because I know that, that Lee Bromby said that they would they would only really look at they don't want to block the development of their own players and they would only look at loans that would, you know, have a chance to become permanent. But I also understand that that the second part of that, that perhaps he didn't express as well as he might have done, uh, but which the club have been quite clear to me about, is that they are still in the market for your, you know, Trevor Chalabert, Emil Smith Rowe. I mean, Smith Rowe was a real. I think you've called it a rabbit out of the hat, Dave, yeah. before. So. To be honest, if, I wouldn't expect to get anyone. <laughs> if they get anyone the level of Emma Smith-Rowe, then that really is remarkable. But, you know, a Trevor Chalaber level talent would be of interest to Town still, because those are players of sufficient quality that you're not going to get them elsewhere in the market. Yeah. Um, you and suspect...
1: I, that, I mean, for instance, you, you suspect... I know it's gone quiet, but obviously as soon as Carlos Colburn came in, there was immediate talk of maybe a couple others from the Leeds youth team. You suspect there's going to be at least one player come at some point before the end of the transfer window from that side because, more than anything, it's important that a manager has his man on the pitch that he feels sort of knits people together or, at a very basic level, can get his message across. So, you suspect there might be one there who's not going to come in as, like, you know, somebody who's played a load of games for the first team or anything. But. There is talk of the the lad from Wolves, is it Dion?
0: Dion uh, Sanderson. Yeah, yeah,
1: who, you know, I think he's a right-back, isn't he, by trade? Yeah. But can yeah. play centrally. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, that that seems to make sense. There's there's talk of the lad. Like, Deshaun the, Bernard as well. Yeah, Deshaun Bernard. They are looking, they are looking, but again, it's it's waiting for that first domino to fall. They need that first domino to go. Yeah. Um, and I don't think Town should get too worked up or depressed about it yet because there's so many clubs who are in the same position and the clubs that are in the same position are probably the ones that Town are going to have to look to overcome this season you know the, the mm-hmm. Town's ambitions this season are to to have a better season than last season and yeah. that doesn't sound overly positive but that's being realistic because they're changing the whole playing philosophy they're changing every level of this club so so it's going to take some time. It's it's rare that this clicks overnight, unless corbrand's a genius. We we don't know. So yeah, I I I wouldn't get too worried about the transfer activity yet. I think there's just like you said, it's just such a long way to go. But I'm very much with you, Steve. I I'm not sure the October deadline helps anyone. And I think realistically, the you could have let them have a week of the season. I think 19th of September. That yeah. that second weekend would have been adequate, but there you go.
0: Yeah, it is what it is. I mean, they did it to be in line with the Premier League, but I've, anyway, we're, that we're just going to have to deal with it. I mean, I I agree with everything you've said, and I've said to people, you know, people have been onto me on Twitter over the last couple of weeks saying, you know, we've not signed anyone yet, or we've only made one signing. Should we be worried? And I've said, well, give it another week, and we're sort of we're past that week now. I think where it's where it is worrying and where I think there is definitely validity in being worried about the lack of signings is just the fact that, that at Carlos, Carlos Colbran's first press conference on Friday, he reeled off a list of, of injuries, um, which is something uh, a refreshing change because Danny Cowley never liked to talk about injuries. But um, you know, colbrand has <laughs> been quite upfront and he said, you know, Lewis O'Brien's going to miss the start of the season because he's out for three or four weeks. Jonathan Hogg is touch and go because he's got, a recurrence of that hip issue that that he sort of had throughout last season. Um, And he's he's potentially going to miss the foot the next week or two. So even if he starts the season, he's going to, you know, be a little bit behind on the fitness, perhaps. Although, obviously, hockey's, you know, massively (laughs) naturally fit anyway. But, um, you know, Romani Edmonds-Green has dropped out of training. Ryan Schofield's broken his thumb, and he's going to miss the first two months. So we're now suddenly looking at you know Terence Congolo still recovering from his broken foot Tommy Elphick is still coming back from his knee injury so we're now in a position where town have got one fit goalkeeper which is Ben Hamer who's really unpopular I'm sorry for for laughing when I said Ben Hamer but honestly when we did our our fan survey at the end of of last season and we asked you know what would you think about these players coming back into the first team uh, Ben Hamer was the very bottom of the pile he was behind you know Reese Brown and and Adama Diakari and Isaac and Benza in that poll. Um, I think he's a, he's an okay goalkeeper for this level, but I think if he's your your first choice goalkeeper, then. Uh, yeah. yeah I can understand why fans would be worried about that after a lot of his performances in the Premier League um, and, and Derby fans were not particularly pleased with him uh, at times last season either uh, I know he was uh, my understanding is that if you look at the stats he was decent but he also made a few howlers Um there was uh, then centre-back they've got two fit centre-backs which is Stearman and Schindler uh, central midfield the only true central midfielders they've got who are fit at the moment are Janinho Bacuna and Matty Daly uh, and mm. and you know we're told Alex Pritchard can play in that midfield three which if if Corbrand's going to play four through three as we understand he will then that might be the most natural position for him unless you're going to put him on the wing but you know a midfield three of of Pritchard, Bakuna, and and Matty Daly, there's not a lot of natural defending going on uh okay. in that trio. And I know I know you don't want to make signings for the sake of covering for two weeks. Um, but it just sort of it exposes, I think, that that this injury news exposes again how much work there still is to be done and how much how many players they need to get in the door. I mean, we talked about 12 to 15 on a previous podcast and that, to be fair, that was totally overregging it. We were, we were talking there about over the next year. We weren't mm-hmm. saying this summer they need 12 to 15, but I don't think it's unrealistic to say they need five or six um, at all. You know, they could do with two central midfielders. Uh, we know that they're looking at, at, at central defenders. And uh, they need a right back, and they need probably another goalkeeper. You know, even if it's just a third goalkeeper, because uh, they're going to need a sub keeper with uh, with Schofield injured now. You know, they can't they can't be without a sub goalkeeper for the first two months of the season, Uh, particularly if if Ben Hamer continues. You know, to, to play as poorly as he has done for Huddersfield Town before, he needs the competition. So, I can understand why fans are starting to get. Quite anxious now, um, given the lack of movement in the in the transfer market and those injuries.
1: Yeah, but this is going to happen a lot this season. You're, you're. I think you have to, you have to understand what's happened at this club. In that, Danny Cowley came in and Town had a real fitness problem. So he's he spent a lot of his early time, literally just trying to get certain players fitter. No, no ball work just trying to get some stamina in their legs. Then you had this weird period with the virus where it comes down to personalities. Some players are more uh, prone to training um, than others, shall we say. So mm. it's very, very difficult for every football club to manage the level of their players. Then they come back and play a lot of games in this very compressed period. Then there's only a very short break before they're into pre-season training and everything town are doing in pre-season training is completely different to work they've done before so unfortunately what happens in that instance is basically you get a load of muscle injuries and you get a you know things like hoggy's hip because it's being worked a different way you know it's not being managed the same it's it's, and this is going to happen for a, a few months I would suggest while their bodies change and adapt to the workload and to what they're now expected to do so i I don't think they're I don't think they're gonna have a, a full squad to pick from for quite a while that's reality so yeah I think you're right what it does leave them with is they have to make some moves in the transfer market and they're stuck here until somebody goes but mm-hmm. I do think there are a clutch of youngsters that are worth looking at so and I think they will be doing I think everything we have, heard from Carlos Safar in his first press conference etc suggests that Matty Daly is definitely going to be part of first team plans this season yeah. and keepers I wouldn't worry about because you know I've had this discussion on this very podcast before but keepers are quite easy because at any one time you have sort of two-thirds of the workforce completely unemployed <laughs> So you can go and find them at relatively short notice. And if Mm. Town are committing to Ben Hamer being their number one, they are only looking for someone to come in as their number two. So I think that should be fairly easy to sort. So it's very easy to be sort of very doom and gloom about it, but it, it is. a lot of this is just part and parcel of, changing the training and the routines and even what days you're doing sessions etc they all these are athletes and all of these things have a take a toll and make a, a difference to their bodies so i it's not unexpected really and town are just going to have to manage it you know there's there's no there's no way around it they're just going to have to manage it and if that means they need to go and get some signings that's what they'll have to do but there may be one or two rabbits in hats already at the club that we don't know about steve there may be that's it you know youth players players we we didn't think were in the conversation that Quite clearly, are we're all sitting here talking as if Carlin Crant is definitely going to go. Still, we don't know that anymore. We don't no. know that anymore. He's at the, he's at the real higher end of the market. So, that, and if
0: he does go, then that surely would enable them to go and buy precisely. three, four players. Yeah.
1: If he if he stays, Town are keeping the guy who scored all their goals last season and who is a real threat. If he goes, that frees up the funds to go and, I don't know, find a Willock or Willock himself or, you know, that, that go and get some of those loans done. Go and pick the right back, etc. So that's a, a slightly sort of no-lose scenario, really. But they are light. The squad is thin, but that's not news to anyone. I, I don't think there should, there'll be anybody at the club sort of overly panicking about it yet and there are you know there are a couple of weeks and in this weird pre-season close season whatever you want to call it that feels like quite a long time feels like an awful lot could change if we get to the rochdale game and they still haven't signed anyone then i would say they they're going to they're in trouble <laughs> they're in trouble because they're suddenly going to have to do some business in a week before playing Norwich at home. But right now I think I think it's just it's just the way it is when you change a full training regime. When you it it's at a very high level, it's a bit like what happened to Man United when David Moyes took over and he kicked everybody out, you know, feeling everybody else had been running training, changed all their routines and they lost nearly everyone to like Muscle strains and muscle pulls, etc. And I think there's a little bit of that going on with Town and will do for a, for a time yet. But
0: I, I'm sure the club would really thank you for comparing Carlos Corbrand to David Moyes at Manchester United. <laughs> Well, <laughs> I know. I take your point, though. No, I do know what you mean. I mean, we saw it when Bielsa first came in at Leeds yeah. as well. It's just if you're changing, I know what you mean. If you, you I'm know, sure everybody, high...
1: at, I'm sure everybody at the club would thank you for comparing Corbran <laughs> to Marcello Bielsa.
0: Oh, that press conference was ridiculous. We had, we had because um, there were several people from sort of nationals there and uh, like national, you know, radio and newspapers. Yeah. And I think literally they asked. Uh, what was it like? Vari- variations on what was it like to work with Marcella Bielsa about six or seven times. It's yeah. absolutely obscene. Um, but no, I know what you mean. These are these are finely tuned athletes, and if you change the way that they're doing things, they they are gonna, you know, it's it's like putting on the brakes all of a sudden. They'll and be, lo- I or- mean,
1: they'll they'll be looking at new diets, new training, new warm ups, and everything. And it does, mm. unfortunately, with someone like Hogg who has got a recurring problem, and he's
0: you know he's into his thirties now as well. Yeah,
1: it's going to happen. There's there's just there's no way around that, but. It does for you know. It forces the club to potentially be a bit more proactive in other areas, and it's not always a bad thing. You know, it's it's. I hate to sound like the poster on the wall of a boardroom, but problems are often opportunities as well. Um, yeah, so, I mean. I mean,
0: speaking of which, that there are going to be, and we've been told this, to be fair, since the since the end of last season, part of the reason they've made this change is because they feel like they can get more out of some of the players that underperformed last season. And they've been quite open and honest about the fact, you know, we asked that question to Carlos Corbrand and straight away, he named Isaac Benza and Terence Kangalo and, and Adama Diakabi. And, you know, it, it's possible, I mean, it happens sometimes that, certain players just don't work well for certain managers hmm. you know look at look at Again, not to compare anyone unfavorably here, but look at you know Paul Pogba under Jose Mourinho. Yeah. you know it was a it was a nightmare. But he's you know Pogba's What's been well. What's
1: going on Man well. What's <laughs> going
0: on at Man United? I know, I know. But you know Pogba's you know been better under Solskjaer. And yeah, that that you know there's countless examples we could reel off of players who you know who struggled under under one manager. Look at you know Stuart that again, Leeds example. Sorry, someone had a go at me for this on Twitter, but Stuart Dallas at Leeds was like a, a pretty average utility man who would play on the wing and, you know, cover fringes, etc. He was, you know, upon well, here last year. He was yeah. he
1: was going, wasn't he? They they yeah. were gonna ship him out of the club and And no one would have shed any tears if he had. Transformed um, him into a wing back and like you say he was player of the season last season. This is the thing and I don't think I don't think Towns expectations will be completely unrealistic either. I think they'll be looking for one player from yeah, exactly. you know the the I don't know what to call them, but the group that everybody had given up on, basically. They'll only be looking for one player to come out of that and be a success. They're not asking for miracles. And the thing about Mbenza and Dear Carby is I know, like, there's no other way to say it, but there's among town fans, they have become a, a bit of a recurring joke, Um And that's for a reason, because they haven't delivered. They haven't done what they wanted. Dear Garby's loan spell, you know, there's no point dressing it up. His loan spell with Forrest was not a success at all. But you have seen flashes from them in the past of the talent. I've talked about on this podcast before of you've never, ever seen either of them playing with confidence right from the off, right from their debut, because of the the context of where the club were, we've never seen them with their tails up, you know, and really going for it and feeling like they can take the man on and if it doesn't work this time, don't worry because I'll just try it again in another couple of minutes and I'll get by you that time. So who knows, who knows? And I think it's, it's another one of them classic things of completely understand why a lot of people have written them off and me and you couldn't make an argument in court to sort of argue against that but at the same (laughs) time it would not be a massive surprise if one or the other does stay and does have a decent you know <laughs> a decent season i'm not setting expectations through the roof here but mm. certainly shows more than we've seen so far dear carby did have that little spell under cowley by the way like yeah. the i think it was the blackburn away game and a couple of others where he had sort of half an hour in both those games where he looked really good and everyone was like Oh, hang on a sec! But then, unfortunately, you know, a couple of things go wrong, and the confidence has left him again. So, who knows? Who knows?
0: Yeah, and as you say, I think I think those expectations are probably about right. You know what what the club were expecting. You know, H- uh, home to Hull as well. Diackabi was excellent. I mean, mm. everyone played well in that game, but you know, dear carby I think was was. Uh, was especially good in that game. So in a four-three-three yeah,
1: as well, it's worth saying the one thing you want from a four-three-three is you need at least one player who's going to stretch that defence, who's going to pull them wide. Particularly if you're asking one or other of your wingers to tuck in a little bit and play as a more inverted winger. So even if you could just get one or the other of them to literally play a role, just take your fullback out to the byline all the time just to try and create a bit of space in the centre because otherwise you just get a four against a three and it becomes really really easy to defend against so there are there are ways to utilize people and at the end of the day Corbyn we me and you are sitting here and we don't know exactly what his game plan's gonna be what his starting lineup's gonna be what his what his tricks in game are etc if he's gonna do the Cowley thing of getting them to line up and kick off in one formation and then immediately switch to another etc we don't know what is what it where his mindset is so we we'll discover all of this in time
0: yeah and and I think probably Diakabi has the best chance of any of them I mean when we asked Gorbran about it he, he made a point of saying that they've he, he, You know, he's watched every game from last season. He's watched every game from the Premier League that Town have played. And he basically alluded to the fact that he cannot understand why Diakabian and Benza were, were dropped um, and Congolo. But he also uh, has been pleased with the effort they've been putting in. And that's not, put it this way, it's not the first time I've heard um, a suggestion that, that Diakabian and Benter have come back to training this summer with... Uh, a renewed outlook and sort of having learnt their lesson from last season as it were um but i mean it's easy to say i mean we learnt going you know coming back from the hiatus not to put too much stock in in reports from the training ground because ultimately people need to do it on the pitch um when when the season gets up and running Mm. speaking of which we, we we know that the fixture list now Lovely segue. Lovely yeah. segue. As as you've mentioned, you know, they're at home to Norwich and then away to Brentford. It's uh, there, there's been there's been easier starts to the season, hasn't there?
1: Yeah. Um I mean I mean I look If we look at September and October, Steve, home to Norwich is is tough, but you can make the case that um, sides that come down from the Premier League, who knows, it it could be a good time to play Norwich because they've made an absolute raft of signings as well, so there's going to be a few players bedding in. It could be a disaster or it could be, you know, an absolutely wonderful start to the season. I, I don't think it's a terrible fixture, first off, but Brentford away is your second game is tough and I know Town have got a decent record there, but... Then to follow that up with Forrest at home, who again are another side who were there or thereabouts last season. I think mm. they're going to lose a couple, but also sign a couple. That strong opposition, it, I mean, it puts a lot of, it already puts a lot of emphasis potentially on that Rotherham away game Yeah. As, as a, I don't want to say must win fourth game of the season, but potentially if town have only picked up a you know a point at that point or something like that then suddenly that fixture becomes quite important but then straight after that they've got away at Swansea which is always going to be difficult home to Derby who are a good side and who town have a, a not a great record against and then home to Preston and that that is as tougher as tough a, First, what seven games? As as I think you you could have, <laughs> you yeah. could have put down for for town really. If you'd have chucked Bournemouth or Watford in there, I yeah. think you really would have
0: <laughs> full house. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, but there is a flip side to it, which is I I think if you look back end of the season, I think their running is a bit more favourable than some of the others around them. That that last four games of Barnsley at home, Blackburn away, commentary at home, Reading away. At a time when, for let let's hope for one reason rather than the other, but it could be either. Town could need to pick up points. Yeah, that's that. That could be far worse, to be fair. But you you pointed me towards Easter.
0: Yeah, those six games in the run up to and including Easter. It's home to Cardiff, away to QPR, midweek trip to Hillsborough, home to Bournemouth, home to Brentford, and away to Norwich. Yeah. Um. So it's almost the start of the season again, but with but with Brent uh, Bournemouth and Cardiff in there. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so yeah. That, this, I, it's a very. The thing is, it's a very compressed season. So Town have, have uh, I think there's three months where they play six games. And then December, you've got nine games, I think, in total. I think January, you've got, the obviously, the first round of the Cup to go in there as well, the third round, uh, I should mm. say. Um, so, yeah, so it's going to be a busy old schedule. And... Uh, the the one thing i keep coming back to though is that if town start badly we we have said me and you are both of the opinion i'm putting words in your mouth here so you can dispute if you want but me and you are both of the opinion that it could get worse before it gets a lot better because players have to learn what they're doing and systems take time and we've talked about the injuries and everything if it is going to get worse it's quite good to get those early fixtures out of the way and then they get into a run of Birmingham, Millwall. Bristol away is going to be tough, but Luton, who knows? Uh, Home home to Bristol, aren't they? Yeah, sorry, home to Bristol, home to Luton. Away at Stoke, who knows what Stoke are going to be like? I've no idea. Um, I I suspect they're going to be up there, but then away at Wickham. So they have got... They've got a tough start and then they've got a better run. And again, you look at January as well. I think your January and February are not too bad, realistically. Mm. So, yeah, there's you got to play everyone twice. But there's times when it could be easier than others, to be frank. And I think, yeah, I, I that payoff of having a slightly easier run in, I think it, it could go a long way.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, th- there's. I wrote a piece about this, but there is a bit of an irony in that you you look at that start, you know, Norwich, Brentford, Forest, and you think those games would be perfect for for the Cowleys. And it's, yeah. um, again, we're not going to do this all season. We're going to try not to say them. But my point is, the only reason I sort of raised raise the name is just they are moving towards this idea where they want to be a team that are on the front foot and give the other team something to worry about and all of those things. And it's, A massive test straight away Mm. uh, off the back of a a very short preseason that's been interrupted by injuries, and where there's going to be business in the transfer market, presumably, as well, both in and out uh, in the build up to that game. To then go into two of the the hardest games you could, or two or three of the hardest games you could possibly have had as you're opening a few fixtures at a time when you're trying to move away from being pragmatic and move towards being, uh, you know, on the front foot and being attacking and, you know, taking the game to teams. Um, it's it's a really 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 big ask and it sort of uh, highlights that the, the what we talked about in the last podcast, the amount of pressure they've put on themselves mm-hmm. by making this managerial change. but uh, on the other hand it's a chance to make a statement as well you know if yeah. the, even if they even if they win, I think if they get four points from those games people and and the, the three points they get, um is is a dominant victory then i think people would be happy with that if from from those opening three games uh, yeah. so, and anything anything beyond that you sort of you know everyone will be talking about the playoffs under this wonderful new manager i think what
1: so. I, I think what the fans do want to see from that run of of Norwich, Brentford, Forest, Rotherham, Swansea. I think what they need to see in at least one game is a performance, even if they don't get the points for whatever reason. They need to come away... From watching that, however, however they are able, but they need to come away from watching that feeling positive. What can't happen is we can't get to that Rotherham away game, and Town haven't shown anything in the first yeah, three games. Exactly. I mean, the the other game we should talk about is obviously the the Rochdale game, um, which is a horrible, <laughs> a horrible one to start with, really, because town don't have a fabulous record against Rochdale I know you always say that doesn't count for anything but you are wrong um, <laughs> but I, that that's a little bit of a banana skin that needs to be negotiated as well town really need to, to win what what would be perfect out of that game is just a nice steady comfortable 2-0 yeah. no thrills <laughs> Yeah. win that's what really needs to ha- to happen there um to to take a little bit of confidence into that norwich game but if you if you look at that I, have you got the fixtures up in front of you steve I do, yeah i do if you look at that run there's no real easy sides in that division is there at all no. so whether you Some games are going to be more comfortable than others, but Town have got to find a way to get to 45 to 50 points, and they're going to have to take some of those points off sides at the top, and they're going to have to take a lot of those against sides at the bottom. So it is what it is. It's a tough league this year, I would say. It's a tough league. I don't think there's anybody who's a gimme there. Um, Even the sides have come up. I know a lot of people have immediately pencilled Wickham in to finish bottom but I think they're a little bit better than you might give them credit for to be honest yeah
0: I can see them doing a loot in town you know yeah st- struggling a bit but getting a lot of scrappy draws and, getting over the and line doing enough, yeah exactly so I mean
1: that to be frank the just the adrenaline of playing championship games is going to carry them through the first three months of the season yeah um, so it's it's yeah it's a tough old league this year it's a tough league town, town need to get going quickly and um, and in that regard, it, it doesn't really matter who they play, you know?
0: Yeah. But, yeah, I, as I say, I think it's just it's just the, the style of play thing. I think people are going to have to be a bit patient, I think. I think if they had, um, they could have done with an easier start, basically, when you're trying to make such a massive change. Um, but on the other hand, perhaps it's a chance. I mean, I'm talking as though it's a foregone conclusion they're going to lose those games. I, I don't think that. I think, you know, they'll be competitive. But my point is that they have, they could have done with a few games, I think, where you look at it and you think, ah, they should win two out of those three. Because uh, that just would have given them that momentum and it would have relieved a lot of the pressure. You know, even if you swap sort of the, the, the first three for the following three, then you can go into those Norwich-Brentford Forest games almost with no pressure because it's, well, we've already got six points on the board, so we can afford to, you know...
1: Yeah, I, I listen. I don't disagree with that at all. all. All I'm saying is that I think, like, there's the complete flip side of this, which is if Town start really well and they take some points off Norwich and Brentford and Forest, yeah. say they out of those three games in particular, say they even come out of it with four points. Yeah. That's exactly. a terrific start to take yeah. into a sort of, it's a heavier workload in October, but there are some games there that they would sort of look at with less trepidation than Norwich at home and Brentford away, I'd suggest. So, yeah, yeah I listen, you can either say everything is bad or try and find some positives from it. And all I'm saying is that I don't think everything is bad. I think... There are some opportunities going forward, and there's a long time before Saturday the 5th, the Rochdale game. And the Rochdale game, I wouldn't, I, I think there'll be quite a few first teamers involved, but I think you probably will see, they will probably take the opportunity to just have a look at one or two of yeah. the fringe players, shall we say, in that game as well. So, long way to go yet, I think.
0: Yeah, and and I think you know in terms of expectations and in terms of you know what is success for Tam this year, if they can get to you know sixty points this season and they have sh- and they are better in the second half of the season than the first half of the season, I think most people would take that, wouldn't they?
1: Yeah, I think they'd have to. That I mean, that's exactly what I was saying. I think the. I think the expectations for this season have to be to have a better season than last season. I, I, you know, I it sounds a little bit limited, but at the same time, I think when you're trying to change a style, and the thing is. Town have had this evolution where Wagner's style was so ingrained on those players because it was so repetitious, and a lot of the training, I believe, or I'm told was extremely repetitious, that when Jan came in to change it, it was nigh on impossible, and the players just weren't fit enough anyway. Then the Cowleys have had to change, and like me and you, both know they've had to just go horses for courses they've had to literally manage from game to game Mm -hmm. town are trying to switch to a system where they're not managing from game to game they're they're managing a philosophy that takes time and that's why me and you are both the opinion that there is the potential for it to get a lot worse before it gets a lot better and i think you're exactly right steve if if they could get to 60 points but more importantly if they could really finish the season strong so that they go into the close season with a lot of confidence and not with the sort of a downbeat nature that they've gone into it this time I think yeah. that'll go a long way and the long term goals are not to turn town round in a season and anybody who thinks that is I'm very sorry but you're going to be disappointed the long term goal here is over the next two or three years to turn town into that top 30 in the countryside that Phil's talked about yeah so you have to look a bit long term, and I know some players, ha- some fans hate that because they live their lives from game to game. I completely get that because I do as well. <laughs> but it's it's just it's it may be a season where there's a bit of patience required, and at all levels of the club as well. I think it should be said. And it
0: could be that they need to ask for patience early on as well. And that yeah. that's that's the reason I'm sort of talking down the, the the hopes in this fixture list is I can see a situation where they end up with one point from the first four games and and they have to come out and ask for patience and, you know, people start accusing Corbran of being the next, you know, new Jan Sievert, blah, blah, blah. I think that's as plausible as the idea that they might get nine points in the first four games. And I, I think they have to, they, the only option they have, if it comes to that, is to be patient and to stick with it that that is all they can do they we, have to yeah as we <laughs> talked about last time and Corbran is is not is not a Jan Siever you know he's he's been in this division he's been coaching uh, you know an assistant coach for the last two years uh, a team that finished third and then finished first so you know he knows the division he knows what is needed uh, and you know he's been a head coach before and you can say what you want about the the level of club that he's managed at but he has managed before you know senior players um so and you know this is someone who leads we're looking at as their long-term successor for bielsa so we need to sort of we need to have trust in in Corbran. The club need to have trust in Corbran. Um and and I think they're determined to do that. To be fair, but uh, these
1: are these are some big comparisons to make. But you have to understand that Pep went into Man City and didn't have success in his first season. Yeah, they finished fourth, uh, didn't they? Yeah. Klopp went into Liverpool and didn't change it round overnight. No, two and, two
0: years I think he finished sort of 7th and 5th yeah. or something didn't he, yeah.
1: The the comparison that nobody likes, Bielsa went into Leeds and he didn't do it in his first season. Mm-hmm. The reason I'm using those massive heavyweights as comparisons, it's more to do with the nature of how they came in and went right. We're going to play a completely different way, we're going to train a different way, we're going to look at a different model of player we're going to change players who are here into their style of play into something different. That That's what we're talking about here, and it, it, it doesn't happen overnight. And particularly with, unfortunately, the situation where they've already lost one pre-season game to COVID, and you, you need some minutes in the legs. You know, there's, there's nothing beats playing actual football for getting footballers to understand that, like you said, Steve... Players can look absolutely sensational in training. They can look like absolute world beaters. And then when they cross that white line, everything changes. Mm. And it, it yeah, it could be bumpy, but we've said it before, and this pod town have got to stick to their guns. If you're going to make this change and you're going to bullet the Cowleys, who were results managers because you want a philosophy-driven manager, that's that's patience is the thing you have
0: to commit to above all else. Yeah. Give them till Christmas at least, um, but I mean it's yeah, it's uh, again. I've I've been sort of the doom and gloom merchant here. Uh, I've sort of taken the bad cop role, sort of. Um uh, sort of slipped into it in this podcast and you know obviously my, my real feelings are, are sort of somewhere in between because it's when you're playing host you do have to be devil's advocate a certain amount my real feelings are somewhere in between I think town will have that season where they get to 60 points and they you know they finish 15th and I think that that is fine for them this season Um I don't think that's fine for them in 2021-22 but I think for 2020-2021 if they can do that then then you know jobs are good mm. and and they can at least then just a season where there's where there's as we've said before there's no drama on the pitch um, yeah. would would be very nice
1: they're going to be helped like i know this isn't something you should put stock in i know it's not a great way to <laughs> to look at the season but they're going to be helped by at least one possibly possibly even three big potential points deductions below them so what you'd really hope is to get to december and still not be looking over their shoulder that's what you want really it's it's a season where we're not sitting here in october november december january february march april and may talking about potential relegation which is exactly where we were last season that's what you don't want but who knows long time to go no doubt we'll be podding at some point in the future, talking about a couple of signings and potentially things might look very, very different.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure yet when our next episode will be. We'll see how things develop as as we have done over the last couple of weeks. Um, we need it, news. <laughs> yeah, it could be it could be after the, the the preseason friendly on Wednesday, which we're told, despite the the couple of um of positive tests amongst staff personnel uh, that was announced on Friday, we understand that they are still hopeful and planning that the the Wednesday friendlies against. Fleetwood and and Bradford will go ahead as planned Um, so we will either do something after that or we'll do it after the we'll do it sort of uh, in the build-up to you know closer to that Rochdale game so we'll let you know uh Dave thanks for joining me um what's uh what's going on at ugly books at the moment
1: uh absolutely nothing because Kirkley is in lockdown brilliant <laughs> so I can't really I can't really do anything and I'm I'm a full-time father at the moment but if you want to buy a book from Ockley books that would help me enormously
0: <laughs> brilliant Fantastic. Yeah. So stick to examinerlive.co.uk. We'll bring you all the updates over the next uh, next few weeks. Obviously, all the transfer news. We're we'll, we, we're trying to get to the bottom of every single rumor that comes up as well. Keep on top of them. So if you want the definitive version about whether town are actually interested in players or not, then you, this is. I mean, the, we're the only place you're going to get that really, because uh, we obviously have closer connections to the club than a lot of the national journalists. So yeah, examinerlive.co.uk to stay on top of all of that. Right, we'll see you next time. Goodbye. U-2-E-R, U-2-E-R,